Forgot to put us on. There we go. Well, sorry, guys. I was just reading my new book I just got last night. Yeah? Isn't that, that weird? I mean, what? the camera just turned on and you happen to be reading that? Yeah, it was weird. Oh, my God. Um, that book, you, you were just with that guy. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, all the celebrities. Uh, I'll tell you what. I've uh, I've always been a, a, uh, a fan of anyone that's goal in life is to do good for people. And last night I was sitting there with uh, Mr. Dave Ramsey. There, a lot of their other public speakers. They had an event, and the client depreciation kind of event. We're we're one of their Ramsey trusted, you know, agents in the Twin Cities, you know, whatever. And and I mean that I, I say that disrespect kind of, but it's a respectful thing, right? They they love to refer people out and be part of their network. Well, I've always been a fan of his just because of what he does for people. That you know, they talk about how a lot of times education doesn't really talk about debt and 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 how it works and how you know you can even not make a lot of money and still be a cash player and and learn how to pay things off and and be free of debt and uh yeah anybody that wants to see him speak i, I believe they're doing some kind of a, a uh and i apologize for not knowing the details it's in eden prairie tonight i believe at seven o'clock they're doing a big presentation where they brought in some of their big shot speakers you know they're people that are on their podcasts and what i couldn't believe was chris they the last time we saw Dave was down at uh, Remax two years ago after the uh, the pandemic and everything else, and it was one of the first conventions that he had spoken at in, in over a year and a half, and uh, came out there and he gave one of the best stories I've ever heard. He talked he because he, he kind of comes across as being a, a country guy, right? And came across talking about like, you know, hey, uh, when, when we're ranching, and he goes, a storm comes. And, you know, he's, he's talking about, of course, the economy changing or, or you know, an economic downturn or whatever coming. And right. he says, you know, the cattle will run away from the storm, which makes that storm last even longer. They, they, they just keep running and running and running. And so they're in the rain as long as possible. He said, the buffalo on my ranch run headfirst into that stuff and attack the storm. They're mad at the storm. And, and he goes, so are you a cow or are you a buffalo? And I, I, in the back of my head, business decision-making wise, I've used that reference several times because, I mean, we all get scared. We all get nervous, you know, whatever the industry we're in. And and this was, uh, last night was a real nice pep in the, uh, you know, so anybody watching the show, I do have a couple of, of the books. They, they gave us a couple of books to hand out, um, you know, of course. So I've got the Total Money Makeover. Yeah, you can, for sure. And, uh, and uh, I got a couple of those. And I just wanted to say thank you to, to them and their whole group for what they do for, for people that don't understand money. I mean, and I'm not saying it. There's, there's no obligation. They'll give you free stuff. They just want to teach you how to be debt-free and not literally be a slave to your debt and, and live a truly free life. It's kind of cool. I remember the old days when you invited me to those things. <laughs> it must have been a long time ago, though. Yeah, yeah. But it was yeah, it downtown. Was Where was it? Uh, at the Four Seasons right downtown, which was was pretty neat, too. That was a, boy, hats off to those. I mean, obviously, they know, they know what they're doing. From the way the valet talks to you to the way they hand walk you up to the party and introduce you to the host of the party. And it was just first class the whole way. And I uh, I, I just, my my hats off and complete gratitude go out to their to their team for what a wonderful evening it was. And very inspirational. I didn't. I didn't realize, Chris. He he has like 23 million listeners of his radio show. He's the second largest listened to um, syndicated radio show, I believe, in the country, 
and has one of the top like five podcasts. Um, Cause he goes, Hey, you know, like in the twin cities, there's a limited window of, of radio stations that will cover. And, and, um, but it's interesting, just, you know, background in the background, teaching you how to be smart with your money, smart with credit cards, whatever. And uh, it, it's kind of neat. They, they, uh, he goes, the podcasts are where it's at. He goes, and that's where, you know, people that want to tune into Dave Ramsey podcast and, and listen when you want to listen. It's kind of cool. So you have more listeners than us? I think about by 200. Um, <laughs> I think it's from show to show. It depends. Kind of. You know, you know what the funniest thing though was? We were talking to uh, when I got there after I met Dave and, and was walking around trying to introduce myself to a few people. And uh I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'm talking to this guy named Drew, and I'm like, you know, being very honest about what I think of the system and, and how you know the customers come to us and how I said, you know, I go, I would really like to be involved with the preferred accountants and the preferred what you know they have like um financial advisors. And I said, why would we not be a cohesive group? So when somebody comes in for help, you know, they can bounce off anybody that's in this, like, whatever. He goes, we should walk over and talk to Dave about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll just drink my soda over here in the corner. I don't need to talk to anybody that's. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, everybody that was there. And and like I said, if anybody wants, uh, I've got a few copies here of the Total Money Makeover that he gave me to give out to people that are interested in uh, learning how to redo their, remodel their finance. So anyway. Yeah, he's he speaks more not just to realtors, but he speaks to the public and teaches them how to gain wealth. I mean, yeah. Dave Ramsey, yeah. But he's been a he's been a real estate guy for a long time. Oh yeah. Like a real estate coach and well that that's how we tied in, you know. We're part of that the real estate division where when somebody's saying, Hey, in, in the Twin Cities, we want to have somebody that we can trust that represents their their, you know, trusted brand. Um and follow their kind of rules of engagement. And, and that's where then they, that's how we fit in. Cause I know a lot of people don't know why, how are we fitting in with a financial, you know, deal, but. Is this where the flip-flops come in? You have to wear flip-flops. Okay. So I ran into my, you know, Ryan Fisher with Remax, the pro yeah. team. Yeah. Okay. So Ryan's sitting there and he comes up and goes, Presky in front of a whole group of people. Presky, he goes, you're wearing pants. He goes, where's the flips? <laughs> I'm like, you're lucky I got jeans on, brother. Nick, throw that picture back on. I gotta see this. this is... I was still wearing jeans, but I was not wearing flip-flops or shorts. I was close. I gotta see those. Oh, you can't get his feet. Dang it. Yeah. No, that was yeah, fun. Gonna... Thanks again. I, was... I appreciate it. There, there's a really popular like millennial YouTuber about money who made um his start in, in real estate, and his idol was uh Ramsey, and they had this huge podcast together. And he talked about he's got a six hundred million dollar real estate portfolio, Dave Ramsey. But he also lost everything at one point too. So they they chat about that. But um, he's a big uh, proponent of of real estate, Dave Ramsey. Yeah, they they um he put out he just recently put out a talking about real estate. They put out a a whole show talking about you can find it on on uh, YouTube recently. They put out about real estate and is it safe? You know what to do in a real estate market and uh, yeah. It, it just just so you know, Chris, it echoes kind of what we've been saying. <laughs> I I Dave Rams, I, I taught him a few things, just saying. I'm sure you did, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's in town if you want to go see yeah, him. Why, why didn't you ask him to come on the show today, Andy? <sighs> Slipped my mind. I <laughs> okay. you know 
No, I would thought you would be fearless. And what, what well, do I, am. Oh, I, I usually am. You know, you got to remember, guys. I, I I literally met, in my opinion, he's one of my my uh, business heroes, and and I mean that sincerely. I mean, the guy is there with a genuine. He believes he's put on earth to help people. And I'm like, at first, I'm kind of skeptical of that. I'm like, oh, sure you are. You're just trying to sell me your widgets. And then all of a sudden, you look at all the families, and and then I I'm kind of in awe. So I was a little starstruck, I'll be honest with you. And it's that's funny, hard was... to do. You and I have met some famous people, Chris. I mean, over the years, and and it people are people, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was out last night with um Pat Remick at Greenside oh. Landscape. We ended up selling their commercial building. Blueberry. And, yeah, exactly. But it was it was funny because they were they're everyone's getting hyped up and they're loud and everything, and then all of a sudden. Uh, the radio show got brought up because he was on a radio show a lot. And then he goes, you know, he goes, you know, I, I can get pretty excitable, but he goes, that Prasky makes me look like I, I'm the shyest guy ever. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. It was just kind of funny. So, is he now, is he still his daughter running the company now or how are they doing? No, he actually sold the company and now he oh. just sold his building. So he's, he's looking for stuff to do. Maybe he should talk to Ramsey. So never know. I think it's interesting how a lot of these people um, build wealth as well, because they are, it, it's basically when, when you get these big uh, portfolios and stuff, it's not usually you that has it. I mean, you have a bunch of partners that are involved in it. Um, yep. You know, you're, you might be the managing guy, but it's, it's guys like Andy and I that are finding deals, then basically putting those deals together to get investors and, um, you know, maybe people that want something a little more safe or believe in kind of what your um, your thought process is and how you're going right. to grow it. Because a lot of people will build investment, real estate investment purposes with uh, like a, a bigger picture in mind. So maybe it's um, health centers or something, and then they're going to go off and try to sell them all to one person because those big health centers knocking off onesies, twosies aren't a big thing for them. If they're going to grow, they're going to, they, hey, give me 15 of them. And then all yeah. of a sudden you put together those 15, you get a group and you got 600 million into them and you sell them for 900 million. Everyone's going to be pretty happy with their return on that. And so it's, oh, uh, sure. yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting world and it's a, but you got to take a chance. And where you said like Ramsey, you know, he had 600 million, then he lost it all. I mean, that's what we find in these markets. And, you know, I think that's where we lead into this. How How's the election going to affect Minnesota real estate? And I think my opinion on that is that what's changed, nothing's changed. Um, so it's like, I think it's more the national um, part that's going to uh, help or hurt the, the real estate market. Because Minnesota is, is generally pretty strong and people fight through it and um they kind of kind of go on with their their lives and you know and i, I think it gets pretty heated uh during the election cycle and you know half the people lose and half the people win but i think i think our real estate climate is more about the national what do you think so, you know, in two weeks, everybody will be calm again and, and moving on with life because there's nothing you can do about what, you know, is whatever you think is great or not great or whatever, right? So you're back to normal. Um, 
what you have to look at is that the people that do make the decisions um, at the Fed level, do they think the economy is cooling enough to where they can control the economy again? Or is it still out of control in their opinion where they have to do measures that will affect interest rates like mortgage rates and things like that? And so, you know, the a lot of that, the reason why mortgage rates jumped so high in the spring was the Fed had basically said, we're warning you, we're going to do five increases throughout the year. So it's not a shock that that's in an effort to actually control the stock market and not have these big drops and you know ebbs and flows of, of investors coming in and out of the marketplace. So they warned everybody, hey, we're going we're gonna to raise it five times. What the bankers did is they just raised it all the way up to adjust for all five adjustments. So what a lot of what's been happening now has not been as effective. But what we're going to see is that if they go from here now, again, they start adjusting again um, is what I think most of us are, are a little aware of. Um, on the other hand, who knows, maybe, you know, you start seeing some of these recessionary numbers hitting the, the, the rags and, and all of a sudden it starts affecting the fact that they need to keep the economy moving and not kill it. So then they usually housing is an easy way to stimulate the economy being it's almost 25% of the GDP. So it's, a, it's an easy one to you know pick up the pace. I think the problem was, you know, you said that, hey, we're going to raise it five times during this during the year. And that it wasn't a shock to anyone, but I think it was a shock to everyone. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's the that's, I think that's the thing that we haven't really dealt with over time is this nobody believes anything anymore, right. and, and that's a problem. I mean, We're that's desensitized, man. Yeah, and it it is. It's kind of like yeah, they're gonna yeah, sure they are. They're just gonna keep going. Oh 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 boy, they did it. You know, well God, they finally did something they said they were gonna do. And so well, you know what's interesting too, Chris, is taking that even a step farther is I think that there's a lot of people who say, oh, I heard rates are really high, but they have no idea what that means. Yeah. They just keep hearing that they're going up, they're going up, they're going up. And, and people don't actually, until they're into thinking about purchasing something and then run the, the payments on it, yeah. and then they look at, wow, you know, on my $800,000 house, my payment went from, you know, $2,800 a month to $4,500 a month, yeah. same house. And, you know, that that starts affecting people's decisions to buy, yeah. you know, and, and granted that also harbored an artificial appreciation, in my opinion, for a couple of years where people could afford to pay a little bit more because they didn't care because the payment was still so darn cheap, you know, well within their means. And and now that affordability is like what Nick was, you know, uh, yelling at us about for about a year and it finally nipped us. And so now you do have where affordability is a challenge. Yeah. I think too that this this all kind of came together from uh, historically a slow time in the market. You know that it just it slows down when it starts getting towards Thanksgiving, through Christmas, through the first year, almost to Super Bowl. I mean things do slow down. Now people are still buying, but not as many people are buying. Our inventory has gone up a little. It's almost it's at like two months, which is really good still um, from a from a selling standpoint, but. You know, someone was saying something about a poor seller. And I'm like, you know what? They had it pretty good for a long time, too. And I don't think poor sellers, I think poor sellers are going to be poor sellers um, if they get if they get showings or having people go through and, and people aren't going for it. Um, it's kind of like, is your house prepared? Is it prepared to be able to, you know, take it? There's There is houses that are still selling. And I think- oh my God. Oh I listed God. in the last two weeks, I've listed three and they all sold right Today, away. Yep. What At or above list. But, you know, the other thing that I was saying is that we also position them correctly. 
We, we priced them for today's market. The sellers prepared their homes to be the nicest house at the fairest price. And then people fight over those deals. What um, price point? Um, so I had from, what is my lowest one? Probably 580, had 700. I've got one um, at 670. See? I mean, that that tells you. But that that's the market also that is that is moving, you know, yep. and even more than that. I mean, yeah. So. Yeah, I just sold one of our, our models uh, last night too. So, you know, the which which is people are like, oh, new construction is dead. It's actually not at all. Actually, new construction is kind of giving a respurt of life back into it now. We're starting to see people wandering back that are saying, hey, there's still nothing for sale that meets our needs. We're just going to build and then refinance in a year or two when the rates adjust to where we find them comfortable. Hey, I found this. So it looks like the Rochester area is getting a lot of buildings sold. I got a little article here. Med City. <laughs> Midway, yeah. A pair of Rochester stores sold for $12.7 million amid wave of Med City real estate deals. So obviously this is kind of more south of where you guys operate, but is this a good sign <clears throat> for the market? What do you think? I think that is kind of interesting. Um, boy, I'll tell you. I mean, in contrast, I was driving, I just, I was on the phone and I was talking and I just kind of like wandered to the Burnsville Center and I just drove around that place and I was just, I couldn't even believe it. It just looks like it's, it's almost a ghost town. So it's nice to see that some of that stuff is, uh, is, is selling and maybe someone's going to start renovating it. There's talk that they're going to redo the Burnsville Center, but my goodness, I couldn't even, I can't even believe it. What happened to that place? <laughs> well, I think, I think retail, it's showing you that retail is shifting. And, and you know, a lot of times these smaller towns, and I mean smaller very cautiously with a town like Rochester, compared to the, the Twin Cities metro, you know. But my son works down there at Mayo. And, um, and he said he's never seen such a high concentration of nice restaurants in a small town in his life. Because every down there makes really nice money. They also have a thriving BMW dealership and a Mercedes-Benz dealership in Rochester, right? So it's like the medical industry that's there is very well paid. They like to entertain. And, and what the city of Rochester has been trying to do here and the Mayo Clinic and a bunch of those, from what I've read, have been trying to keep everybody there. They don't want you to take your $500 night out on the town and go to the Twin Cities. They want you to stay down there. So they've encouraged, you know, a lot of, of new growth. They've encouraged a lot of... Um, you know, uh, so now how does that attach to retail? I think some people go shopping when they're bored. And especially in that area, that might be one of the activities that's maybe more popular than it is here, you know? Well, and it's also, remember, I mean, a lot of people are traveling to Mayo to get help. Yeah. And they they usually have people that bring them there and they have to hang out there. Uh, and right. I, mean, I know people that do those presidential fitness um checks and those are like three days long yep. that they have i mean they just they're, they're extensive checks well typically people who get those um are high wealth type people as well so <laughs> they're shopping they're moving um i've got another guy that i know that does apartment buildings down there and it's been fantastic rental wise oh yeah so yeah no it's it's ridiculous i know my my son has a two-bedroom apartment um, down there and he's on the outskirts of town and paying $2,200 a month. And that's the cheap rent. Most of the two bedroom units that are anywhere near anything that's walking distance is yeah. like $3,300 a month or more. 
And so he's forced to take a, a shuttle bus, um, which which it works fine. Once you kind of get used to the groove of that, hey, my apartment building is full of Mayo employees. And literally every 10 minutes, there's a bus that goes to Mayo yeah. and, and back. And so it's really cool how they've designed this. But what I don't know, Chris, I don't know what phase they're at with this, but they had a $12 billion city renovation budget that they were launching a few years ago where they were going to redo their airport. They were going to redo everything from hotels to the whole entire experience in Rochester. So it was a world's destination. And uh, it, I don't know where they're at in that process. I know that that was something that was um, approved and in the works. And so maybe that's all kind of a spinoff of that, Nick. I don't know. Yeah. When I was living there, they were they had all these talks about how they're going to bring in like these clubs and this like environment is going to be the next like twin cities and that was six seven years ago so it hasn't happened the rents just went up though i think covid yeah, stopped a lot of things oh, okay you know it just probably put it on pause and they're probably going to do it but yeah i mean but the area you live nick was a, uh, I mean kind of not a not a pleasant spot to be um but it was close to the city center. You could get there pretty quick. Yeah, it was just it was just off. Yeah, it was really close. But it wasn't. I mean, there's some areas that obviously in everywhere that's what you're going to get. But sure, the the college wasn't that uh, exciting. But they they did a lot of upgrades to the college as well, at least sports wise. So, I right, go. I got a couple things here. Should I be worried? I found these. I want you guys to make me not worried. Okay, here's the first one. Oh, boy. Wells Fargo reported a 90% decline in mortgage originations. That is insane. I, I believe that. Be worried. <laughs> if you yeah. want to know if it's true, that's probably true. People don't want to pay for expensive money, do they? Weird. Yeah. But um, I heard there's tons of layoffs that have happened at Wells Fargo. Maybe they already happened. They, but, there was a ton that already happened. Well, I that mean, they're coming, yeah. you, if you follow those, I mean, there's seems like every week somebody's laying off 800 more people in that industry because they just, the refi business was just printing money. It was, yeah. people would call in and say, yep, I want a refi. And it would just write up the deal and everybody'd make money and it was easy. So they could hire easy. They could, you know, and now it's all purchase business. And I, I, I know Chris, you've probably had the same experience. I have never had more mortgage uh, originators, you know, the mortgage salespeople, call on me than I ever have in the last probably two months. I mean, mm -hmm. I've got so many mugs laying around my office from all these different mortgage companies and just the, Hey, let's go to coffee. And and I got to be honest with you. I'm a little bit resentful of these people. Cause I'm like, where have you been the last six years? You jerks. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when we were growing our business and all of a sudden now, sure. You want to dive back in and, and latch your, your uh, hook onto my, my moving, you know, business. Of course you do, yeah. you know? So, and, and then that's where, it kind of gets into a, an odd relationship with lenders and with real estate agents because a lot of people, you know, truly believe they're in cahoots together. They're really not. The 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 RESPA and all these other you know uh, federal agencies and, and local um, state sponsored entities that monitor that and regulate that that you can't pay to play right. So there's there's a clear distinction between like if they run an ad together, they have to be 50 50. They have to pay 50 50, and they all share all the leads that come in. On the other hand when a, an agent refers you to a loan officer, it, it has to be out of merit. It has to be because they're good at what they do um, or you've got past experience with them. And, and most good um, real estate agents, I believe that's what they're doing. They're giving you to one or two good loan officers and understand, or 
you know, maybe you, you as a buyer, your situation is different. Maybe you're, you know, you have to go off of bank statements or you have to do something that's unusual that a normal lender that you walk into at the local bank doesn't have for a product. Yeah. And to have, having a lender that you've worked with for a long time is, uh, I mean, talk about merit. I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing um, for us to know that you, you, you know what they're doing and uh, it's not going to be a surprise at the very end. I mean, we're getting surprises all the time at the end and, and people unqualifying and, you know, just, Hey, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's kind of like, what do you do? And I think right. now, I don't think people are going to get away with that as much anymore. I think right. people are going to fight it, you know, enforce them in which to be able to purchase where before it was like, all right, let's just get rid of them. Let's put some money in. Let's, we'll get it back in the market. And gosh, I'll probably even make more at this yeah. time. So it's getting, I think it's getting back to that where we didn't, we didn't have that a lot before because it was, I don't know, in, in this last couple, the last couple of years, there's just a lot of things that were just not fun <laughs> and and great. And, and that was one of them. It's just like everyone kind of lost their, you know, like sellers are trying to get the most amount of money they can and they're pitting buyers against each other. Buyers are frustrated because they're losing five or six or seven times. And then all of a sudden a little hiccup happens at one point and then it's like, they just go after each other, you know, and it's just, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't great. And I just think that, you know, we, we need this. This is, it happens. These are cycles and it's what we go through. And, you know, and it's, if you have to get rid of your house quicker now, I mean, you have to go with a, a value price. That's it. Well, but, I, but here's what's crazy though, Chris, your house is appreciated. What did they say? A hundred percent in the last seven years. Right. So, you know, when I say boo hoo, I mean that because you're still in a great equity position. Right. The average Minnesota family last year appreciated $28,000. I mean, this year, yeah. um, so far this year. So, and they're anticipating most people are two to 3% appreciation again next year, even um, amongst all the crazy things going on with, you know, inflation and everything else. Because of um, inventory. Inventory is inventory. the key, I'm telling you. you you're not going to get, you know, like we've talked about this, Chris. If your house is worth 800, you're going to list at 775. You might get multiple offers and end up at back at 800. If you list at 800 or 810, you're doing it backwards. Now you're chasing the market. And, and what happens is people use you as an example of what not to buy. So they go out and they see three houses and they say, see that one that's at 810? We got to fight a big fight to get that down to where you want it on price. This other one's at 775. Let's offer, you know, 790. And, and then all of a sudden, boom, you win. Your house sells. They give you the closing date you want, you know, and then, the, like you said, Chris, I, I really like the fact that, you know, we feel like it's a win-win market right now where there's, you're still getting a house, you're still giving the seller a fantastic price, the buyers feel like that it's a very fair price, and they're getting home inspections done now, there's contingencies that are being cleared organically, you know, with just having the process flow the way it's supposed to flow, which leaves you less exposed in the big picture, right? So, if you're down the road, I mean, I, I truly think these are going to come back to haunt you guys. The You never told me that there was mice problem in the fall. You never told me that there was a leak in the, well, I didn't do a disclosure. I did a waiver. Why'd you do a waiver? You know? I agree. I, I said that when it was happening, that, that inspection thing later on is going to come back. It, and it's going to come back if the market turns the other way. Because people are going to be like, well, I, I overpaid for this thing. And I paid 30000 more for it. What the heck? What's another 1500 to get an attorney to kind of go after someone? 
you know, and sometimes the 1500 is going to get you five, 10,000 like that. People are yep. just going to pay it because they're, they're scared. Cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're scared. They don't know where it'll end up and gosh, it might be 30. I'll, I'll, I'll try to make a deal with you kind of thing. So for sure. Yeah. Whoa. Oh boy. What do we got here? So Phoenix, Phoenix Metro canceled and expired listings the last 30 days, 3,148 for a total quantity of properties that have either canceled or expired. Um, so that, yeah, that's, I heard there was a close to a 30% fallout rate on written purchase agreements nationally. Um, so purchase agreements that are already done on their way to closing, they just fall apart, it, which is the highest we've seen in a long time. People just, you know, weirded out with their jobs or whatever. And, and Hey, you got to buy when times are right for you. Right. I mean, you can't, if you're worried about your spouse's job and you're going in and you need that spouse's money to pay the payment and you're going to buy a house and your, your company's already said, Hey, by the way, we're heading into a storm here. We don't know what's going to happen. And you continue to proceed. Might be putting yourself in harm's way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think too. I mean, if you put that graphic back up, Nick, I just want to see if it says which ones are, which colors canceled, which ones expired, because there's a, there's a marketing piece into this as well. Um, it doesn't say which one, huh? Is there any kind of a key on the bottom of that for us, Nick, that we could see, or is that a screenshot? I would just screenshot. I think it's the red ones. Are what canceled? Yeah. Okay. And the other ones are expired. Okay. So on the canceled ones, I mean, people will use that where they'll say, "Hey, we're going to go to a new price," and they end up they cancel the listing and then relist it, so it looks like it's newer. So that that could be a, a marketing ploy in that. But if it's expired listings, I think that's all. What that's showing is that things are sitting longer on the market. And we know sure. that that to be the case but typically you know those expired listings are a lot longer um or because typically you list them i mean when you list a house you might have a six month um type thing but i don't think the average days well, Chris, how many you know like right now i have not been signing listing agreements that were that long i was only signing like 90 day agreements because we were getting stuff sold in days and, and we just didn't need to feel that extra negotiated chip you know mm -hmm. like where in a market where we know it's a six-month market, you might sign a one-year listing or something or a nine-month listing. Mm -hmm. But in general, the agents are just trying to protect their investment they're making in you as a client as well. That's why the length of the listing agreement is a – so I'm thinking a lot of those, I'm hoping, were shorter listings and they just expired quicker because they were – and that may be the why there's a an increased number um, as the markets transition. But, but that's – that's again, that chart's a typical thing that we're seeing all over the place. It's like – Oh my gosh, this Armageddon's happening, but we don't really know the, the theory behind it and if it's real, real. I mean, what I want to see is, hey, what are average days on the market for all of the listings right now that are there? There's a lot of listings that were there that investors are turning around and reselling and maybe even just trying, hey, you know what, someone's crazy enough to buy it, let them buy it. That was happening in Florida all the time. People would put it on and uh, they would list it for 500000 more. And they, no intentions of selling, none, zero, unless someone crazy came by and, and, and grabbed it from them. Right. So, so that could be the, the end result of the, that type of a, a list as well. Well, and you know, I think that that market, I would just assume that that Phoenix market is full of a ton of empty nester, baby boomers, whatever you want to call it, that own it free and clear and are doing the old, 
well, I don't have to sell, you know. If you can't get my price, I'm not selling. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love every one of you, by the way. But you get that a lot from that crowd. The I don't need to do anything. I'm cash. And I, or I'm, I, you know, there's no debt here. So we want to move. If we can get this price, give me 600 and it's sold. And, and so there are agents that unfortunately are struggling right now that would take on a listing like that just to have something going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, when, when people are that, I mean, I'm always trying to get that out of people from the beginning. And, it, and if that's something that they say is that, you know what, I don't have to sell, don't need to sell. And I said, that's fantastic. And I said, and if that's the case, then what I think we should do is I should go at them hard from the beginning and tell them exactly that, you know what, just want you to know, because we do showing calls. So when people set up a, a showing, we actually call them and talk about our listing and uh, kind of give them some hints on it. But in that call, it's just going to be, you know what, um, Andy, I, I know that you don't, um, you know, that you're, you're going to be showing this house. And, you know, I know it's been on 60 days, but this seller is very, um, you know, set on their price and we're real firm. And I just want you to know that going out there ahead of time, because if you don't, you set the wrong narrative. And I think sometimes sellers look at that and say, well, don't say that. We want to get an offer. I said, you kind of got to, it's which way do you want it? I mean, do you want it? Do you want an offer? Or do you want it to work? You know, right. you got yeah, it. Offers, offers aren't always the best. People think they are, but like offers sometimes can be, you know, when you solicit an offer, you're going to get an offer that represents their best interests and what they really want to get a deal on it or pay it. So you almost will be asking them to ask you for a discount. So I, I agree with you. I think that there's times where I say, hey, listen, here's where we're at. Um, we have a lot of negotiating areas that we can work with you guys on. One of them is not really the price. And here's why. Um, we just put a $60,000 roof on this house. The pool liner just went in. We know the comparables in the neighborhood are around this price. We know that we're priced equal to them. We're better value than the rest of the houses, and it's just a slower market right now. So this is what we're really looking for. We'll negotiate all these other terms, closing dates, you know, whatever, furniture, whatever you want to do. But every, that, that is the one thing I can't really uh, flex on. And I, I've, I've done the same thing, Chris, where I've sat there and said to buyers, agents, that, that you know. And, and price isn't always the, the thing either. No. I mean, it really isn't. But I'll tell you what, one thing I just can't stand dealing with is personal property. It's just a, it's a <laughs> yeah. never ending. And the problem is, is that you're trying to create some value with it, you know, but it's like, what is it worth? And then what do the sellers think it's worth? And then what the buyers think it's worth are two different things. And now it becomes a real problem. It's like, you know what, you won't go down on price. And all of a sudden now your, your furniture is worth a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, you couldn't sell this for 27,000. That's yeah. true, but you also don't have to move it. It's here when you when you go in. You'd have to repurchase it to be able to get it to, which would probably be one hundred fifty thousand, and you wouldn't get it for ten months. You know, so what's the value to you? And it's like it's a yeah. no win. It's a no win negotiation. It really is. That's my opinion. I agree, and I, I think that that's something that confuses a lot of people. But on the other hand, there's nothing more rewarding than when you have a young first time home buyer coming in or even an older, they just, this is their first house and they don't have a lot of furniture. They're moving from a cute little apartment to the new big house and the seller's moving to, let's say a retirement home or they're moving to a co-op, the lake, wherever they're going. And they don't need a lot of the furniture. And they'll say, you know what? We'd be willing to leave this behind if you'd like it. Would you like a lawnmower? Would you like a snowblower? Yeah. Would you? And it's amazing to me how many people, you know, just are so 
open. Just, you know, yeah, you know what? Enjoy it. You know, just, just promise me that you'll love my house. You know, I, I, I really appreciate those people. They, they really love it when the lawnmower doesn't work. And yeah, the and then we get that call. Three hey, Prasky, that lawnmower's up. Beep, beep, beep. Right. And that's the point. Then it turns into a horrible thing. Now come right. and get your damn lawnmower. You, you know, know what's wrong with you, here. Rudy? You don't know mechanics. <laughs> that's my personal problem. That's why, I mean, what we do is sell houses. We don't sell furniture, you know? And I think it's just. What? I know. It's weird. It's really weird. But you yeah. know what? The, the sad no. part is it's kind of a reality of our business as well. Yeah. We have to deal with it. I'm just saying I don't like it. So. Well, you know, and we find that up north. I was actually talking with an agent at, and Alex a couple weeks ago, and she was talking about how a majority of the cabins that they sell are how, lake homes. Furnished. Furnished. They leave all the furniture. They just, it is what it is. Here you go. Well, imagine that. I mean, otherwise, what do you got to do with it? You got to right. haul it out of there. Go put yeah. it in a storage unit that's going to cost you 300 bucks a month. You got to rent a truck. You got to get your friends to come and help you that can't stand you, that you let them use the cabin three times. So they got to be able to help. And then it just sits there for 10 years in your storage cabinet. So it is, it's kind of like, Hey, you know what? Wipe in my clean. It's all yours. Everything's yours. You take care of it, but you got to take everything. You, you know, you know, remember when we had uh, uh, the Alexander's mobility, remember Alexander's mobility, those guys would come on our show. And we talked about moving logistics and things like that. And they were, I mean, just a fun, some of their stories. I mean, Chris and I could talk for a couple of shows on that with the items that they would move for these executives and big shots. But he said, there's a lot of times where people would say, all right, we're moving everything down to Phoenix and put all of our furniture in a truck. And he, he would tell me there's a lot of times where loading up that truck and let's say it costs $12,000 to move all that from Minneapolis to Phoenix and their furniture is worth about 2,500 total. Yeah. And they, they they would literally, of course, you know, it's your stuff so you can do whatever you want with it. But they a lot of times would advise people saying, you know, you, you may not necessarily want to do this. Um, you, you may want to just sell all this stuff and buy all new down there or whatever. And I think sellers always believe that. Well, I paid forty six hundred for that couch. I mean, how can it only be worth three hundred now? Yeah, I know. And it's like, well, for for. I paid $2,200 for this mug. I'm going to take it and store it for three years. You know, yeah, that's what right. happens. And then, then the mice get into it. And then you got to pay $1,800 junk to come get it for $400. Do you, so. you know, I've got, I laugh because I'm, as I'm getting older myself, I'm, I'm, I see value in things, right? And so I'll sit there and I'll actually have, like, I just did this. Lisa and I, when we first got married, one of the first things we did, we, we bought our house and we were so proud. We bought this beautiful TV from Audio King. Those of you that remember Audio King are close to my age. You walk in there, they give you the Coca-Cola and hey, what can we make happen for you guys today? Buy the big screen TV. We bought the surround sound. And then we're like, we're sitting on the floor and we're like, oh, we really need to save up and buy a really nice couch. So then our next purchase was we go to home, right? Back in the day, I think it was home oak and leather back then. Again, dating myself. We walk in there and the guy says, you know, for a movie theater with that kind of equipment, and I'm totally a sucker. I'm like, uh, he goes, we really need to get you guys into some top grain leather products where you actually can feel the grain of the leather. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we need. And of course, we're there on a night where it's snowing and, and it, nobody's in the store. So this guy's just pulling out every trick he's got in his book to hook us, right? We buy these top grain leather couches. And I, I don't remember what the number was at the time, but to me, it's a million dollars, right? I'm like, oh my God, are we really doing this? Holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. 
fast forward to last summer. My wife's like, throw these things away. I'm like, do you know what we paid for these? We're keeping these. And I would not let them go. I just could not in my head let that, you know, in my head, a million-dollar couch go for nothing. And so thank God I have a son that moved to Rochester and said, can I really have those couches? And then as they left, I felt good knowing they were going to a good home. And then I literally said, as I go, as I left his apartment, I go, quack, quack, no back. <laughs> you got It's yours, brother. You I was just going to say, when you were complaining about those couches, I was saying, luckily, Connor was like four years old at the time. And you knew he was going to move out when he was 24. And you he could use those couches. So oh, save them for 20 years. I even went to that. Uh, I think that I don't know if they're in business anymore. Go for foam. And I redid all the cushions a couple years ago. So they're all like brand. I mean, I spent like a thousand bucks on cushions in this thing. Dude, I am such a sucker. Where was that couch? Trying to keep the value there, you know? Did you have that in the basement, that one? No, I, I forced my wife to keep it in the sunroom where then they faded. Oh. Um, and then so now my son has faded top grain leather, brand new cushion couches. Forest green, by called, the way. That's not faded. That's called character. Thank you. Yes. Just like me. I'm I'm fitted. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's get into some uh, social media reacts. It's going to be brought to you by Chris Rooney, home experts. <laughs> I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. I that was beautiful, Chris. Thank you. I don't know if you've ever... Grant, I just don't think we're ready to sell right now. Uh -huh. Let me ask you a question real quick. Sure. I thought you wanted to be successful. Well, it's not really a question, but I see where you're kind of getting. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to sell your home for top dollar. You're going to 10x your investment. You're going to take that equity, put into some income properties in Miami. Okay, never snows there. Great investment. I'm going to take my commission check, put it back into my business. I don't know if you know this, but I have a private jet. And for some reason, I don't pay taxes because of it. It's pretty incredible. The fuel's worth more than this whole fucking town, to be honest. I'm going to have to ask you to stop being a little bitch and sign on the dotted line and get ready to 10x. <laughs> oh, oh my god that wow was that was that was good i think what they're trying to say is that, that uh all these little um ways in which to make money and, and and push your money are are not for everyone sometimes people you know have to sell a house and they have to get paid so they can pay their utility bills so <laughs> We uh we gotta start. Yeah, we should open paw slap people. Quit being a little bitch. <laughs> yeah. hey, uh, you know that that's happened. social media. That happened to me one time actually. It wasn't a good thing. Was that a closing? Yeah. Tell. You so you you actually I don't believe it. You gentle giant uh, open pod somebody. Threw someone against a wall. Whoa. Should we have the attorney on when we're talking like this? Should we? For legal reasons, it was a long time ago. But it was well, okay. Very, now, okay, it was now like everyone's naughty. curious. What what happened, Chris? I, I'm not gonna say. I just don't want to. I mean, it. Let's just say that I ended up selling um, two more houses for this 
this person after that too. But you know, wow. sometimes when you get into a, a situation where it's just it's just wrong, yeah. and you're on the wrong side of it. Yeah. And it's just like it it's it's more than you have to do something about it. And so, and that's what this situation was. Okay. And uh, it was the right thing. And that person apologized. And, um, but it was just like an instinct. It was just, you know, like. Well, you're a football player. Well. Somebody said, said hut, Chris, and you yeah. went. Yeah, I have a little, dis- people say that. Yeah, I played football and baseball in college. And, and they oh. go, oh, really? Because it's kind of like, I might look more like a lineman right now. And that probably doesn't work for baseball. So I think it confuses them. Yeah. Oh, there it was. Hold I didn't on, throw a punch. I just put them up against the wall. But anyways, um, the, uh, yeah. You should start so, calling you the, the Tiger, Tyson? Refer to me as a quarterback instead, not as a, as a lineman. So. All right. People who locked in a sub 3% mortgage while the rest of the housing market falters. <laughs> yeah. Love it. There's some people that are pretty happy out there that they got what they've got, which is fantastic. I think that is going to become the new sale thing, though. I really do. I think people are going to use their their low mortgages to be able to uh, get houses sold, and we're going to come up with some ideas with that. And uh, it's going to not only make that uh, make the buyer happy, but it's going to make the seller happy because they're going to make money on top of their money, and then they're going to get their house sold. So that's my opinion. Yeah. But again, I started when the rates were ten and a half percent, and no more than three years prior to that, they were eighteen percent. So it happens. We sold houses then; we'll sell houses again. This conversation was had around a table of professionals last night about how they were excited when they bought their first house. They assumed a twelve percent interest rate, Mm -hmm. and then they were really excited two years later when they could refinance down to nine percent. And it was um, now granted, like I said, yeah, but your house was twenty six thousand dollars. And he goes. Yeah, but we made like eighteen hundred dollars a year. You know, yeah, it was right. the ratios were the same. They were just everything was smaller, right? I so remember, it was a uh, interesting. It's always interesting to hear that. I remember story. my dad telling me his payment was eighty dollars a month. Yeah, and it was really hard to make that to get it. I mean, just like what eighty bucks? I mean, that's that's lunch at B Dubs right now. Unfortunately, you know, you know, you don't have to order the family platter, Chris. Every time you go in there. Hey, it's better. They do have meal specials, lunch specials. You get 30 of them, it's better. But I do, I go, if it's like Wing Tuesday, I'll order like 15, so I'll get 30 of them. Whoa. Well, because you get, you know, but it's it's buy one. Now it's buy one, get the other one for half price. But it's like, it's like a dollar a wing. But I bring them home and, you know, use whatever. I mean, I only eat 25 of them there and bring five home. Just kidding. Amen, brother. <coughs> I got a great idea. I got a new TikTok idea for Andy yeah. from that. That's a good one. I like that. That was funny. Just makes you watch it. I mean, again, I think all of these things are the 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 cuter you can get, they'll they'll maybe follow you, and then they'll watch when the good stuff comes. You know, when you actually have something to sell. You, you know, it's interesting though. Like when the the views and the clicks that are getting you know the most attention 
are usually when we're making fun of ourselves, the self-deprecating humor of agents making fun of themselves or the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Still trying to figure out how that works. <laughs> hey, you're, I'm telling you, you're, you would be, you would be the a TikToker. I'm telling you. I, you know what though? I'd have to have somebody following me, you know, cause I, I, I don't think I would be like, okay, go be funny or do, yeah. you know, it's just like, but if you're just like winging through a conversation, people would laugh at you trying to describe something to somebody because you're just like animated or whatever. I could see that being a very funny, but then who the heck wants to hire a videographer to follow you around? But yeah, that's the thing. If you don't know how to do it, I mean, now Nick, Nick is starting to do that stuff. I mean, I know he does on his podcast, but it takes a while to learn. But if you have to have someone following you to do that, holy moly. I mean, you got to, yeah. I mean, you, and then you, then you have to edit it. I mean, that's expensive. I mean, these people are probably spending quite a bit of money. I, I can't even imagine the amount of time that some of these people spend editing that before they press, you know, post. And it's, Nick, but Nick, how long does it take? Depends on what kind of content. Like that last one, it would. You just gotta get the shots and then add the music and the transitions. It'd probably take like maybe an hour if you knew what you're doing. So, Chris, to you and I, that means it would take us three to six months. Yes. Totally. We'd still be trying to read the software manual, going, okay, editing software 101. How do I upload yeah. the picture? Right. I know. It's crazy. No, you know, a lot of it, though, is on their phones. But, right. yeah, the, this one, exactly. So this one yeah. is recorded from her phone, this next one, and they got a ton of views, and it's, uh, I think, going off a trend. But I'm curious to see what you guys think of this. I could have my Gucci on. I could wear my Louis Vuitton. But even with nothing on, that I made you look. Well, you can see by the look on our faces, we're completely, uh, what? <laughs> no, I think that's, uh, I know Hannah. And, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she's, um, I mean, they've done a lot of, I mean, her videos have definitely <laughs> progressed. I mean, really good. But um, I think you, I don't know. I think that's, I think you, you find a personality there, too. Yeah, you know, that you'd be attracted to that you want. I mean, attracted to, but if not, you're not. But she's probably getting the right people because of that. You know, what's funny, though, like, so here's old man, Andy. I'm like, Louis Vuitton. Well, why would I want to sing a song about Louis Vuitton? And, you know, in my head, I'm like doing and I I wouldn't buy a Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> why do I want people to look at me? I hate it when people look at me, you know, so like for, for a young you lady who loves that attention, maybe that works great. But well, don't, you, don't you think it's more about, hey, this person can be anyone you need versus. I think, uh, no, I thought it was I, I, me personally. I thought it was an ego stroke. The Look at me and how cute I am. Look at me. And I think, that's what any, I, took as. I think any of those videos are that all of those videos are kind of like that. But yeah. I mean, I think to do those videos, you have to be you got to be pretty darn confident in which to be able to do them. Well, I mean, yeah. and she's going to try to walk out there. Right? Not... You know, you get, you're going to get attention. She could be selling soap. 
I mean, she'd get her your attention. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, in just by the fact that she's in real estate, I'm still waiting for that kind of that tie because it's more of a style of advertising to me than it is a, you know, they could be selling it. They could be selling bikes, furniture, uh, interior design, paint colors, uh, you know, whatever. Look at me. And, and like, so it's interesting, the song choice. And then, you know. Well, think about, think about this. I mean, so would you think like, hey, she's spending too much time. She don't have time to sell my house kind of thing. I mean, she's doing too many of that. So I, someone, I, I think that does happen with some people. Yes. Okay. So now, now let's look at someone like on TV. That's a million dollar listing. I mean, they're, they're selling this. Why would people go to them? Why are people going to the million dollar listing guys? They're, they're in production. They got to film. They got to do all these things. How are they going to ever market my home and get and you it? You don't sold? ever meet them. You, you have their cronies that come out and say, Oh yeah. So-and-so really wanted me to tell you this. Exactly. So and, and and I, I think that's the key is that, it, and it's just like, I think in everyone that doesn't work for everyone, but the people it does work for, you're going to do very good. And I mean, she sells a lot of houses too. So, I mean, it's working. I mean, so it's just, to me, it's kind of like, you got to find your niche and, and, and do what you do. And I think what people, what happens to people is, um, and I found myself over the years doing this, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm selling this much and I sell you know, $30 million worth of real estate in a year. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I got to figure out something else now to be able to, what the hell? You just sold 30 million. You, you don't have to figure out nothing. You know, you just keep doing what you're doing. But people try to keep reinventing themselves and yeah. doing that. And I think that's the thing is you get older and, and been in this business a long time. You do what you do well and it works. Well, you know, that's true. And then I think part of that sensationalism comes from like, like you know, the, the shows you talked about. So, you get a guy like, and I always, because I follow him, I think he's actually a very intriguing guy, this Josh Altman, right? So Josh has a ton of brands. He's super smart. He's, you know, he's got some new apps he's working on, whatever. But what's interesting was he'll post, for an example, um, they do coaching and everything else on top of the shows and on top of everything. Um, and all of a sudden he posts last week, I think it was, that him and his brother sold $188 million worth of real estate this month. A month? month they they sold 1.5 billion dollars of real estate last year and and but their average sale price is 26 million yeah. right so now put that into in in the ratio so when they do those big shows they are attracting the big talent or the big you know like like i remember he was telling us uh last year at remax he sold lebron james a 68 million dollar house in beverly hills he met him at a starbucks and lebron james recognized him from tv and said hey you're that guy. And, and she says, yeah, I was just showing up a house up the street. And he goes, boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, LeBron James is buying a house for me. And uh, so you're right. It does grab the attention. Um, you know. It, it it works. I mean, it does work. So it does. I think everyone, I mean, you just say that. I mean, remember that, I mean, there's guys that you're like, what? How is, it, how is this doing? But it affects a certain group of people. It goes viral. And then people want to go after that person. But you it. know, Chris, I got, I got to, you, you and I come from uh, an industry that when we started in the industry, if you pulled up with a hoopty car, you were looked at as being not successful. If you pulled up with a brand new Cadillac, you made too much money. If you showed up with a foreign import car, well, that guy buys. So, you know, he's buying an import car. I'm not going to buy from him. You know, I need an American made car, you know, and it's like, We've been scrutinized, you know, for those kind of little low level things, let alone having an ego 
or a social presence, you know, but maybe the world's different. Maybe people don't think. I thought you lost that button there, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I think, I think it's kind of cool that people are going out on a limb and being who they want to be and they're creating it because I think, you know, when, when you were just saying that, like me and you, I mean, we were, I mean, you were, you were stuck at, I got to do it every, the way everyone else is doing. No, you yeah. don't have to do it that way. You don't. I mean, you can, you can be living in, um, where are you? You're in Warsaw and, and doing what you're doing. And I just think that, I think people should do what they want to do and, and it'll work for them. And it's, it's, it's what they want and what they do. Yeah. And I think that's in real estate too now. I really do. And I think underlying you know, I mean, and I'm, I'm going to talk about her because I, I know her, but she knows what she's talking about too. I've talked to her. Yeah. You no, know, no, so and she, I, so I she knows what's going We're not talking. I know. Talk, know. From. Any of those people, as long as they know what they're talking about underneath, I think that's a, that's a big thing. So do whatever you got to do to attract your client and your person, but yeah. know what the heck you're doing underneath. So. You know, they're so, so old school Andy thinking, right? I'd rather have you know, somebody where I saw a video of them and how actually how busy they are and how successful they are with their clients saying, man, it's amazing. The service level we got, the, the attention to detail, the, you know, happened just the way we expected. To me, that's a more valuable video. I don't have time to be entertained. So I don't sit like on, like a lot of my friends and family members do. They sit on those and watch videos all day. I can't stand it. It drives me crazy. I actually will. I'm the first guy that will leave his phone shut off. And that's how I like to spend my time is quiet. You know, right. or I'll go hunting or I'll do whatever. So I, I know I'm different. But on the other hand, if I did spend the time to research somebody, I don't know if I'd want to see a bunch of cutesy look at me videos versus the here's what I did. Here's how I sold it. Here's my strategy. Here's how I got the results my client was looking for. I'd hire that individual, you know. But if you think about it, Andy, from yeah. a, a realtor, if she sells 35 to 50 houses yeah, and and gets gets that content to – 50,000 people, all she needs is 35 to 50 of them. And they're going to do it. And then if you do what's right, then she's going to refer them to it. So it's kind of like, yeah, it might not be, that might not be who I pick or it might not be who you pick, but I need 30 to 50 of them that will pick. She, she and, might be hitting her audience perfectly. You're right. Maybe. And I, and, yep. and you know, the, um, but like, again, just remember, Chris, you and I couldn't pull that commercial off. No, no, exactly. Can you imagine I mean, the two of us trying to do that commercial? I couldn't put get that towel around me. I'll tell you that. Right? We'd have we'd have the gap going down the front. Oh my god! And we'd have to do a, we'd have to blur it out so you, I can see us. See, Andy, be hilarious if you duetted it. So you took that video and you yes. put it on split screen. Yeah, that's what everybody wants to see. You you and you and Hannah could have a duel. A dual video call. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to let Hannah have the attention she deserves. Okay. She actually, nice lady, nice attention. That's awesome. Very creative ad. Um, I think she's wonderful. Uh, good but luck. Here, here's, here's what I want to say, though. So, like, Chris, you were saying that uh, just be, they're being themselves and they're doing these content. A lot of the times, these are trends. So they're taking what is popular and they're just putting themselves in there and then uh, substituting their profession, right? Also, oh, they're mirroring so, something that's already popular to be Yes, funny, right? and then it gets trendy and viral where she puts out a lot of people. It's not like she's just made up in her own head. I'm pretty sure, but that's normally how these go. So she can be selling appliances and... and... they just switch. Yeah, you switch okay, the thing. Yeah. gotcha. Nick, tell me if this is true. I mean, because we don't... You pick out these 
these videos and you do all these, you based on, you grab them based on what's trending. And all of a sudden it happens, you know, I know that girl. I mean, typically I don't know any of these people and stuff like that. So it's like, so something's working. Is she and it local, happens right? to be someone we know. I'm just curious. Is she local, you know, or locally? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even, yeah. I just noticed her name was Hannah because I have a daughter named Hannah. Yeah. I didn't see her last name or anything. Yeah. No, she. That's interesting there. because I, I typed in a real estate agent and going through like, I'm in Warsaw right now. So I'm not in the local market and the algorithm showed me hers, yeah. which is pretty impressive. That means it's reaching pretty far. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, hey, beautiful. I forgot the. Tell her we talked about her. I forgot the Andy to do, to do your ad. So this show was brought to you by Andy Prasky Preferred Home Team. Well, they said I could have thirty seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky Remax Advantage Plus. Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing: twenty-two years in the business, over fourteen hundred sales. I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building. Whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus. Thanks for listening to the show. I got a couple quick questions here of yeah. Greg. So mm. the first one, are properties with CBD dispensaries nearby drawing higher property values? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. It's walking distance. That's kind of nice. I would think near I think it would be the opposite. I don't think it would be good. I think that if you owned a white castle, you're you're you'd have higher property value. <laughs> hey man, let's get some CBD and go to White Castle. I think people would be worried about who's hanging out there and you know, kind of stuff. But those are pretty regulated, but uh, Fair. that's what I'd say. Um lastly, on average, how many listings do you have at the same time? Through COVID, it was anywhere between maybe two and three. And now, I mean, I mean, it, I always had 15 to 20 going at a time. Yeah. And now I'm seeing myself like around 10, which is like, it's it's weird to kind of get back to that. But I think it'll end up being, you know, back to that 15 to 25. Yeah, I think that you'll see, you know, I kind of have the same thing where, they, when we list, they sell faster. So you don't have that ongoing lag of inventory, but like, I don't know. I think this year I've averaged about 26 listings at a time. Um, and that's because I do a lot of new construction too, where it sits, it's new models or whatever. And so, but existing market, I'd say out of that, I probably have, like you said, five to 10 at a time. Yeah. Beautiful. Hi everyone. Make sure to give us a like, write us a review on iTunes or Spotify, three digestible clips each week on Facebook and YouTube. And then Dave Ramsey, that's the guy. If you want well, books, you guys need to copy. Hey, Nick, tell them where you're at, where we're going to see you next time. Thailand, baby. So it'll be nighttime. It'll be, it'll be 9 p.m. at night when I have this show with you guys at 8, your time. Wow. Of course, we expect a ton of pictures of debauchery and foolishness. I'm a good boy. <laughs> see ya. I've watched Bye. your videos. You are not. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.